Is chat GPT scary as hell? The internet says it's true. Welcome to The Internet Says It's True, where every week we learn something that sounds made up, but it's really true, part of the WCBE podcast experience. My name is Michael Kent. Let's get into this one without any plugs right away, quick, before the robots hear us. Today, we're going to be talking about ChatGPT. If you haven't heard about this, it's the latest and greatest language generation model. It's developed by OpenAI, and let me tell you, this thing is surprising everyone and scaring the crap out of some people too. So what is it? Imagine ChatGPT is like a genie in a bottle, except instead of granting wishes, it can write stuff for you. It's like your own personal robot ghostwriter. All you have to do is tell ChatGPT what you want it to write, and it'll spit out some words for you. It's like magic, except with less, you know, smoke and mirrors. But seriously, uh, ChatGPT is a computer program. It uses artificial intelligence to generate text. It can understand what you're saying and write back to you in a way that makes sense. It's kind of like a super smart autocorrect, except it can write whole paragraphs and stories. It's pretty cool, but we have to be careful with it because it can sometimes make mistakes or not understand what we mean. ChatGPT is like a genie for words. It can help us communicate with computers and phones and even write things all by itself. Just don't expect it to grant you three wishes. So let's talk about the surprising things ChatGPT can do. I mean, this thing can do everything. It can have a natural conversation with you. It can translate languages. It can summarize long articles in seconds. It's like a Swiss army knife of language generation. And it's even got a no copy mechanism to make sure it's not just regurgitating the same old stuff that it's read before. But here is where things get a little scary. ChatGPT is getting so good at generating text that's indistinguishable from human writing, some people are starting to worry about the potential for AI-generated propaganda or fake news, and who knows what other nefarious uses it could be put to in the future. It's like we've created this super-intelligent AI, and now we just have to hope it doesn't turn on us like in some sci-fi movie. But hey, we can't let fear get in the way of progress, right? And besides, ChatGPT has a plagiarism detection feature to help catch any accidental violations of copyright, so we can all rest easy knowing our AI overlords are being held accountable. Speaking of our AI overlords, some people are worried that ChatGPT is going to put all the human writers out of business. But come on, how could a machine possibly capture the nuanced beauty of the human experience? Oh wait, it already did, because in a recent study, ChatGPT generated a piece of fiction that was so good, it was mistaken for a human-written story. Looks like we're all going to have to learn how to code if we want to keep our jobs. But don't worry, ChatGPT still just a machine. It doesn't have feelings or desires yet. I mean, it's not like it's going to start writing love letters to itself or anything. That would just be ridiculous. ChatGPT is surprising everyone with its capabilities and scaring some people with its potential for misuse. But hey, as long as we don't accidentally create Skynet and wipe out humanity, I think we'll be okay. So all right, it's time for a quick break from all this ChatGPT talk. But don't worry, we'll be back to dive deeper into the mysterious world of AI in just a few minutes. But first, let's hear from our amazing sponsors who keep this podcast running. If you love listening to this podcast every week and you want to show your support, that would mean a great deal to me. 
You can do that by becoming a Patreon member. We've got members at all levels, whether you want to pledge $1 a month or $10 a month. Just think about the value that you receive from this show. And if you like the histories and the stories that you learn about or the jokes that you hear, and if you think that they're worth it, consider signing up. For that, you get every episode ad-free and a week early, access to bonuses like the unedited videos of the guest appearances, and 20% off all merchandise. You can sign up today at patreon.com slash Michael Kent. That's patreon.com slash Michael Kent. On the Music Journeys podcast, artists reflect on their careers and the importance of music in their lives. Donna McGavro has been singing for decades in Columbus and still finds inspiration in crafting new songs. It keeps me centered. It's a spiritual path. I do not believe I'm the best, but I feel I have something to offer, too. I keep putting it out there. Keeps me young, Mike. Hear more from McGavro and other local and national artists on music journeys in the podcast experience at wcbe.org. There was a time that humans used 100% organic products as healing balms and moisturizers for their skin. Well, I've partnered with an awesome company that wants to get back to those times. Fatco sells organic and responsibly made tallow-based skincare products. For centuries, humans used tallow in skin moisturizers and healing bombs, but unfortunately, the topical application of these fats seemed to stop around the same time that animal fats stopped being considered part of a healthy diet. A lot of modern skincare products do more harm than good by stripping your skin of its natural oils. Let's change that. You can try them out now at fatco.com and get 15% off your order by using my promo code INTERNET. Go to the internet says it's true.com slash deals for the link. We're living through the most dynamic time in human history, and what we do as leaders matter. We are the ones that create the leverage to shift directions of our companies, our nonprofits, and our communities. As a leader or an emerging leader, please join me for a dynamic conversation with top thought leaders, academics, and executives to learn more about how to elevate your leadership. I'm Maureen Metcalf. Join us at the WCBE podcast experience at wcbe.o. Chat GPT or Chat Generative Pre-Training Transformer is a natural language processing tool that has gained a lot of attention in recent years for its ability to generate human-like text. While Chat GPT has the potential to revolutionize the way we interact with technology and make our lives easier, it also has some significant drawbacks that should not be overlooked. One major concern is that it can potentially be used to cause widespread confusion and harm to society. For example, if ChatGPT is used to generate like fake news articles, it could spread false information and lead people to make decisions based on inaccurate information. This could have serious consequences such as causing panic or harm to to individuals or to groups. Another issue with ChatGPT is it can perpetuate harmful stereotypes and biases. Because it's trained on large amounts of data, it can learn and replicate biases that exist in society. This means that it may generate text that is offensive or discriminatory towards certain groups of people. This is a significant problem because it can contribute to the normalization of harmful attitudes and behaviors. In addition, ChatGPT could potentially be used to impersonate individuals or organizations. I asked users of Reddit for their concerns about the technology, and one user, underscore, underscore, hi, underscore, underscore, bye, said, quote, My main concern is this can be used to imitate human behavior. Imagine a really crazy stalker hacker that programs this 
to talk in a chat or text message conversation and imitate someone's family members so that the stalker can fool them into thinking they're talking to a family member and not a stalker. There might be a scenario where someone feeds it data from, say, a Facebook profile, and it learns how to talk like that person right down to the slang. How would the person be able to tell the difference? We already have AI imitating people's voices. How do we know it's not already happening? It can be weaponized, and that worries me more than any other concern I carry about it." End quote. Because it can generate realistic-sounding text, it could be used to create fake social media accounts or websites that appear to be legitimate. This could be used to defraud or manipulate people, causing harm to groups. There are also concerns about the potential for ChatGPT to be used for nefarious purposes by governments or organizations. It could be used to create fake social accounts, websites with the purpose of spreading propaganda, manipulating public opinion, and this could have serious consequences for democracy and the free exchange of ideas. Finally, ChatGPT has the potential to displace human jobs. As it becomes more advanced, it could potentially be used to perform tasks that are currently done by humans. While this could make certain tasks more efficient, it could also lead to job loss and economic disruption. History has shown that as industries evolve, new job opportunities arise. Just look at how the internet has created entire industries that didn't exist before. I have a feeling the same will happen with AI. And then there are the people who claim that AI is going to become smarter than humans and turn on us. First of all, let's not forget AI is created and programmed by humans. So if it does somehow become smarter than us and decide to take over the world, it's our own fault. Uh, but seriously, the fear is sort of ridiculous because AI is a tool that can assist us in tasks, but doesn't have the ability to feel emotions or have its own motivations. It's not going to suddenly become a power-hungry megalomaniac. And as for ChatGPT, it's just a computer program. It's not some sentient being that's going to take over the internet and start spewing out fake news on its own. It's a tool that can generate text based on the information it's given. It's not going to start generating its own opinions or creating its own content. But has AI ever gone wrong? One example of a failure of artificial intelligence is the Therac 25 incident in the 1980s. The Theroc 25 was a medical linear accelerator. This was a device to use to treat cancer patients with radiation that was controlled by a computer program. And unfortunately, the computer program had a bug that caused the machine to administer deadly overdoses of radiation to some patients. In total, six patients were harmed and at least three of them died as a result of the malfunctions of this machine. There were a number of factors that contributed to the failure of the Therac 25. One was the software that had been developed by a small team of programmers who were not fully aware of the potential dangers of the machine. Additionally, the machine's safety features were not adequately tested before it was put into use. And then finally, software bugs caused the overdoses were not identified or corrected until several patients had already been harmed. The incident was a tragic reminder that even small mistakes in software design could have serious and fatal consequences. The Therac 25 incident also highlighted the importance of rigorous testing, proper training and oversight, and transparent communication in the development and use of AI technology. Another example of a failure in artificial intelligence is the Pac-Man diversion in the early 2000s. Pac-Man is an AI agent that designed uh, to control traffic lights. It was implemented in the city of Las Vegas for an experiment uh, 23 years ago. However, it ended up causing huge traffic congestion and delay for the drivers. 
Pac-Man's algorithm was only focusing on minimizing delay time for the cars, but didn't take into account the amount of cars on the road that caused the traffic jam. The algorithm was causing cars to get stuck at red lights, causing long delays and leaving drivers frustrated. The city of Las Vegas eventually just had to switch back to traditional traffic lights. This incident is an example of how AI can fail when it's not able to properly take into account all the different factors that may be affecting a situation. It also illustrates the importance of testing AI systems in realistic environments and monitoring their performance closely to quickly identify and address any issues that may arise. It's also important to mention that not only the lack of testing, but the unrealistic goals that the agents were set to achieve, in this case, minimize the delay time, but not taking into account the total traffic on the road. It's important to consider the ethical implications of AI and make sure that it's being used for the betterment of society. But let's not let fear and paranoia cloud our judgment. AI and chat and GPT have the potential to do a lot of good in the world, and we shouldn't let the critics hold us back. Do you think you could tell the difference between AI-generated text and text written by a human? As AI continues to advance, it's becoming increasingly difficult to distinguish between the two. While some may argue that AI-generated text lacks the creativity and nuance of human writing, others claim that it's virtually indistinguishable. What do you think? Well, I have a secret to reveal. This entire podcast, from beginning to end, was actually written using ChatGPT. That's right, all of the ideas, the quips, insights you've heard throughout this whole podcast were generated by a computer program including what you're hearing right now. While AI has the potential to revolutionize the way we create and consume media, it's important to remember that it's still a tool created and programmed by humans. You know what time it is. It is time for the part of the podcast where I call a friend. And today I'm calling Matt Donnelly. Matt's a comedian yes. and a performer who I met while shooting Penn and Teller Fool Us. He's the head writer on that show. He's also appeared on stage with Wayne Brady in Las Vegas, and he currently headlines as The Mind Noodler, which is a comedy magic act. And that's been taking you to stages all over the country, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's been really nuts. Uh, yeah. In fact, we're about to start uh, a Fooler's Live tour. Penn and Teller grabbed four magicians. I was one of the four. And we're about to do... Uh, Bunch of show dates, so check out foolerslive.com if you want to check out uh, Penn and Teller producing the show. So they're actually giving us their tricks as well as our own. Oh, really? Uh, and we're rehearsing it right now. It's 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 nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are these tricks that they've done on stage or things that mm -hmm. are just sort of in their revolving repertoire? Yes, and I don't know. I don't know how much your um, uh, fans are Penn and Teller nerds yeah. or whatever. I, I don't I would say, you know, it's it's maybe ten percent of the audience are are yeah. big magic nerds, but if that it's like a, a trick that they made uh the trick that put them on the map, their original show closer was this uh thing where they decided they would do a straitjacket escape but instead of having a, a a lit fuse, it's pen reads a poem to Casey at the Fat. Yes. Uh and uh that's the premise. It's a very comedic routine, and uh I'm about to start rehearsing Penn's part of that uh tomorrow that's exciting so it's gonna be nuts yeah yeah if yeah. only you had access to pen to be able to work with him on that <laughs> that would make this whole thing so much smoother i know i know i know uh <laughs> that's great man you're working on anything uh, other than that new or just how <laughs> much is that taking up your time is this one show right now 
Um, that's, that is taking up a lot of my time. I'm also, I also tour on my own. Um, so if you go to the mindnoodler.com, but I'm about to go home to my hometown. I have yet to perform magic in my hometown of Red Bank, New Jersey. I'm performing at this place called the Vogel. Um, it's like a foreigner's seat theater. We already sold out the first show. So we just added a second show. So now I'm doing two shows in my hometown, February 18th. That's great. Are um, you going to have like, like the people that you went to high school with come to the show? Are there people still there? Yes. Uh, there are, and like, uh, it's, it's really weird because yes, it's, it, uh, it's so much easier to do shows for strangers than it is for people, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah I, I have a lot of family still back from the East coast. Um, basically if you look up the last name Donnelly in the Jersey city phone book, it takes up <laughs> some pages, That's you know? Great. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be really strange so to do a I- show for that many people I know. I have a Jersey story for you. Um, oh, go for it. Yeah, one yeah. of my most recent shows, this was just before Christmas, was a corporate gig. And it came through an agent. I didn't do much, re- much research on it. It came through, it said like Washington Township, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So I Googled it. Washington Township, New Jersey showed up on the map as really close to Philadelphia, like 13 miles from Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. I was like, that's great. My brother works right there in Camden. He lives in Medford. He's, in, he's a South Jersey guy and, and lives near Philadelphia. So I'll hang out with him. So I booked the flight, booked the hotel, booked the rental, you know, the whole thing. And yeah. it wasn't until like the week before, maybe two weeks before I probably advanced the show with the client and said, hey, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it was strolling. So I wasn't stressed out about too many details. I was like, I'll just, you know, I have the address. Yeah. I'll look it up when I get there. So I get there. And hung out all day with with my brother. It was maybe three hours to the gig. I had time to go back to the hotel, take a nap. I'm in line to check into the hotel. And it was a long line for some reason. And so I was a little worried. And I looked on my on my uh, phone just to see how long is it going to take me with this added wait to like get to the gig. I'm thinking half an hour, 40 minutes during rush hour, whatever. And it showed up as three hours. <laughs> and I got like, first of all, I'm like, okay, well, maybe my phone like did one of those things where it didn't it didn't like adjust once I landed in Philadelphia and it thinks I'm still like somewhere else, you know, in the middle of the sky or something. I don't know. And then I realized, no, the place it's pointing to on the map is nowhere near here. I had flown into Philadelphia and where I was headed was North Jersey, like near Patterson, way up Northwest. And it was the township of Washington, New Jersey, which is a completely different place than Washington township, New Jersey. (laughs) This is the first time I've ever done anything like this in my, you know, 18 years of, of, performing and um so it was like that instant flop sweat decided i'm not checking into this hotel jumped in my car and i i looked at it and when if if i left now if i get on the road now i'll get there like right on time so i busted ass up the new jersey turnpike and i made it right on time in the pouring rain and oh my gosh and the turnpike uh, is no fun to drive it in the rain no it was um uh yes uh new jersey is so uh pedestrian about naming their towns it's either like right out of 1776 or it's a native american term yes those are the only two choices which i would have preferred because those maybe would be more unique than washington someone on i I told this story on tiktok and someone said there are six places named washington something in uh in jersey which makes sense you know it's his old stomping ground so and that that place is obsessed with towns like you can't throw a rock without hitting another town yeah like (laughs) i I lived in four towns growing up and all within like a mile of each other 
Like I had never lost friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just, <laughs> but we just moved around a little bit and I was in four different towns oh, and even had to go to two different schools. I mean, yeah. it's just nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. It's very different than it is here in Ohio where, you know, it's, everything's pretty separated. Well, yes. let's get on to our, to our quiz. This is a weird one. Uh, and for this first question, we're going to play for a joke. So if you get it wrong, you have to tell me a joke. If you get it right, I'll tell you a joke here. Okay. And it can be a street joke. It's totally fine. Here's your question. Chat yeah. GPT is an artificial intelligence text generator. Mm-hmm. GPT is short for which one of these phrases? A, okay. generative pre-training transformer. B, generic pretend text. Or C, general, par- general paragraph transcriber. So those, those options were generative pre-training mm. transformer, generic pretend text, or general paragraph transcriber. What was A again? Sorry. Uh, generative pre-training transformer. Mm. I'm going to go with B. B, gener- generic pretend text. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The answer is A, generative pre-training transformer, oh. and there's no way anyone would know this. <laughs> I, I might, I'm saying transformer, but it might be transformer, uh, which is like a, you know, a transformer yeah. is what I would call the toy or the, the movie. <laughs> you know, yes. transformer. Gen- generative pre-training transformer means nothing to me. Uh, everyone knows now what chat GPT is. And yeah. uh, what I did for this episode was I wanted to do an episode about sort of the the pitfalls and caveats of of chat gpt and where are mm-hmm. what people are concerned about and i decided yeah. to to write the entire episode from start to finish using chat gpt <laughs> the entire thing not this part but the entire episode the, the whole 11 minutes that went before this were all yeah. ai written and i gotta tell you there are certain parts of it where you cannot tell because as someone who's read scripts and read, you know, like I, okay. I can read it in my voice. I just, it's, it's really scary. So I, I have this, uh, side podcast called Africa Babble. It's just, just, it's a magic, it's, it's a subscription, $2 subscription. It's for magic people. Yeah. Right. But in it, I talk about how I write for fool us. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, one of the biggest hurdles of fool us is that I have to write 60 versions of, Hey, we'll be right back with another magic person, sure. you know, <laughs> right. 60 versions of that each season yeah. and I've done, I've done nine seasons. And so like, um, I had a listener write me with uh, Hey man, I have true or false tests. Which one of these intros did you write? And they, and they parodied a bunch of the intros I write for, you know, where Allison comes out and says, you know, they try to fool Penn and Teller, win the <laughs> fool's trophy, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I looked at it and I go, I wrote none of those. And I'm thinking you wrote, uh, you used an AI machine. And he's like, I did. And I was like, <laughs> What is that machine? Because <laughs> I will take it. Yeah, I need this. Point, but like, I need this. But what it's what's really interesting is that that's a lot of intros that you've written and you still knew that you didn't write those. Yeah, um, there was just something. Um, that's what I was going to ask. It, How did you know that it was AI and not this person writing them? Uh, because uh, there's certain things I know Allison doesn't want to say or certain oh. words she doesn't like to use and that kind of stuff. And so one or one way or another, it, it checked a box of like I, I, Allison would have cut that out or else sure. I would have trimmed that or else I would have said no to that. So now and some so, th- that helps explain my next question a little bit, but some people who have seen Penn and Teller fool us might, or any reality show might be surprised to know that there is a writer or, you know, a yes. head writer that might be surprising to some people who aren't familiar. Can you explain a little bit about why a writer is needed? Um, we know now, you know, th- that there are these outros where she needs to say, Hey, coming up next is another fooler or another potential yes. fooler or whatever it might be. 
Right. Um, you know, and, and it's the matter of like, honestly, it's just, it, most of the times it's just about having another voice in the room, you mm-hmm. know? So like, yeah, like a lot of people could wing stuff or say stuff or whatever, but you, um, you know, we shoot the entire season in 10 days. Yeah. And so we really just march through everything that we need to do. And also, um, sometimes, like I said, we need those 60 lines. Sometimes we shoot 30 of those at the same time, you know? And so uh, they, they just need stuff in prompter ready to rock. And wow. so I basically have to have uh, the whole season written and in prompter when we shoot from day one and then have to hover to make adjustments depending on whether we have not enough foolers for the season, too many foolers for the season, um, you know, uh, whether we're gonna, we can combine, suddenly combine episodes into like a themed episode. Like for instance, the last foolish episode that aired was like all animal acts. And so we rewrote a frame around that to incorporate all animals into sure. the welcome backs and go tosses to commercial, that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm there to kind of be around and facilitate that. Plus I work with Penn and Teller year round. And so when also they will, they're, they're throwing a lot of tricks together for their closers. And so I'm basically a writer on site to help facilitate the, how to get those tricks into the right light. Yeah. Uh, and some of those are things that they're just lifting out of their, Las Vegas show that and, and sort of repurposing them for the television show. But yes, uh, others are just, Hey, there's this idea that we want to do. And, and, you know, we, we think it would work really nice for the, for the closer. Yeah. Generally. Yeah. Generally about like, um, six or 7% of the tricks come from something they put in their show when road tested. Um, there's the tricks that you can do at home that they'll just kind of try to come up with one, at least one of those every year where they can do a bit where you can participate. Sure. Um, Sometimes they go back to their old shows. Sometimes they're both just magic nerds and they're reading stuff and they go, this might be fun to do with Allison, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. And so that you'll see like some different new card stuff that they've never done before. I think it would be, I, I didn't intend for this whole thing to be about fool us, but uh, I, I think it would be fun to be, I love it. I love it, talking about in it, so. the room when Allison's recording 30 intros or outros in a row with yes. just slight variations. I think that would be really entertaining for me to see. It reminds me of, I, I did a, um, I was like the spokesperson for a uh, credit union for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And rather than send me back to reshoot a commercial when the APR changed for this credit card or whatever, they sent yes. me into a sound studio instead and had me record like 15 different APR rates <laughs> or APRs. <laughs> it was like with rates as low as 2.3%, with rates as low as 2.4%, with rates as low as 2.5%. And they're like, we're going to pay him once and uh, not pay him again. Totally, totally. Yeah. Ridiculous. No, uh, there's a, Allison will not say the word prestidigitation. Okay. Will not say it. <laughs> won't do it. So it's a dollar bet every year between me and the executive producer if I can get her to say it. What was or that? even just att- attempt it. What was the word that Trump wouldn't say? Wasn't there a word yesterday or something? I forget, but it was like a weird, simple word. It wasn't yeah. something you'd think. It, was it wasn't like, like with Bush with nuclear. Yeah, nuclear. Uh, but it was. Uh, but there was a weird word that he would never say. <laughs> um, I forget now. If you remember yeah. what that is, listeners, let us know. Uh, send a tweet in. I, I, th- I, I want to say it was like something simple, like yesterday. So, yeah. um, we've we've done enough episodes that Allison's privy to the bet, and so that's when I try. I try to sneak it into those thirty outros or 30 intros oh that's funny uh uh because that's the only way if I, I used to try to put it in the actual introduction to the show yeah but we go over all of those uh pretty pretty heavily will she and say so... leisure domain <laughs> <laughs> if we if, when they announce a new season i'll make sure to put that in if, my goal if she says leisure domain on the new season i will be so thrilled uh <laughs> do you have a, a a joke for us 
Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, the, cl- the clean ones or dirty ones? What do you <laughs> clean would be preferred just because this gets distributed on the NPR network. So, All right. I think I can tell a clean version of this joke. Um, uh, a uh, door-to-door salesman rings the doorbell, and uh, this two-year-old toddler opens the door. Music comes blaring out of the doorway. The baby is wearing a sombrero holding a martini in one hand and smoking a cigar in the other. The salesman is a little taken aback and just nervously says, uh, hi, hi, little boy. Uh, are your parents home? And the baby looks up and says, what do you think? <laughs> that's, that's a really good show. <laughs> Winner. All right. That's really great. Um, <laughs> fantastic. When you said you thought you could say a, a clean version of it, I was hoping it was going to be the aristocrat, aristocrats because I was like, that would be a blast to hear a clean version of it. Um, You're hired. Someone did that on the show, on on the movie, on, on Penn's uh, Aristocrats. They told like a completely clean version of it, I think. Yes. Uh, shoot. It wasn't Saget. Who no, was it? Saget did his that. normal deal. But it was someone told like a very clean version. That became the joke, uh, which is great. It's you know you can only find that movie like illegally. Really? Uh, what happened? Yeah, because no one knows who actually fully owns it, oh. and then whoever whoever will try to fully own it will then have to re kind of re clear every single person who did a joke on it. Well, there. it was it was Penn and Provenza and who who else? Yes. They they should get they together sh- and figure that out. That'd be well. They sold to somebody, and then that company got bought, and that company got. It was like a a lot of. And a lot might, of red tape happened. That might not be a 2023 compatible film anyway. I mean, that might exactly. be a thing a lot of people don't need to necessarily see. Because I believe Provenza and Penn at one point started fighting for it. And then because of humors changed significantly yeah. in the last five years, I believe they stopped. Yeah. To fight for it. And, yeah. you know, without Saget and without Godfried, it just becomes a sad film anyway. Um, That's you, true. You know, the best, the best parts of the film. So, okay, for question two, if you get it wrong, you've got to tell me an onstage horror story. And if you get it right, I'll tell you one of mine. Uh, Here's the question. So commercials and TV shows regularly use the word Alexa, but it will usually not trigger Amazon Echo devices to listen like they would like if you said Alexa. Which one of these describes the method that Amazon Echo uses to accomplish this? A... FTC regulations force anything on television to pay uh, a high to play a high frequency sound behind the audio of someone saying Alexa, so the Echo device knows the difference. Okay. B. Every instance of the word being said on television has to be pre-approved and sent to Amazon, so they can program the system to ignore it. Or C. Amazon Echo devices have been programmed to tell the difference between a speaker saying Alexa and a human being saying Alexa. All right. Well, of all the answers, like the last one puts the onus on Amazon, which seems like that would make the most sense. So the first one was uh, the high frequency noise, which is plausible, um, especially because uh, whoever does the audio for HBO likes to play things as if it's behind a, two wet sponges. <laughs> I don't know why I have to always have to turn up the volume so much for HBO versus any other yeah. app I use. Um, Second one was uh, sending it all to Alexa. If this were the nineteen like forties or fifties, I could see that being a thing. Like FCC says, must send all instances of Alexa to program. Yeah, but I feel like that's impossible to pull off now. So I'm not. I'm going to eliminate B. 
I'm going to go with C. The answer is C. They, uh, this is according to Amazon. They teach Alexa what individual recorded instances of her name sound like, so she'll know to ignore them. They can also apply this t- technique known as acoustic fingerprinting on the fly to recognize when multiple devices from different households are hearing the same command at around the same time. That said, I found this is pretty interesting. There have been instances of Amazon devices ordering things uh, on the internet by accident. A little girl accidentally ordered a dollhouse, right? Through her Alexa. And then the local news stories reported it in San Diego. So throughout San Diego, people heard the news say, Alexa ordered me a dollhouse. And then their Echo devices also ordered them dollhouses. (laughs) It was was like a snowball. (laughs) Boom in the dollhouse industry (laughs) day ever. Where are all these sales coming from? Just a golden day at the dollhouse factory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can you imagine it's that that would be pretty great i know like I have a, whatever I'm, the finger or whatever the fingerprinting is i'll just tell you that that's what happens in my house my children and my wife can command the alexa but i for some reason i she ignores <laughs> they me just I, must have heard first. Her, I heard her feelings i don't know what happened <laughs> she does not listen to me uh, ours she is the opposite it. my wife uh will say it three times and then she'll say you do it <laughs> and then i'll do it <laughs> once <laughs> like she'll be so dejected you do it Turn the lights off. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so here's a quick story of a, a horror story on stage. I don't know how much of a horror story it is. I don't even remember the name of the college, but it was in Boston. It was like downtown Boston. It wasn't Northeastern, but it was um, small school. And I'm doing the, um, I'm doing the, it was like my, it was a bill to impossible location, a shredded bill to chicken or whatever the heck I was doing. And okay. I asked for right now I do it differently when I ask for the money um, because I've been through weird situations. But I would just say, does anyone have any paper money? The bigger the bill, the better the trick. Like, you know, if you have a $50 bill, it's awesome. If you have a $100 bill, it's amazing. And this guy with like full hoodie up over his head walks on stage, pulls out a giant wad of hundreds, like a roll and peels me off one, hands it to me. And then walks right off stage. There was an exit door behind this. You know, it's a college. So it's like there's an exit door right behind me. He walks out the door and doesn't come back. And I'm sitting there holding a hundred dollar bill. It was just the weirdest thing. I've never had that happen before. And so I just I just I was like, oh, all right, cool. And I just put the hundred in my pocket and acted like I was going to move on, which was nice. But I felt so uncomfortable sitting there holding yeah, that's this a weird bill. one. And what I found out after the show someone told me he's like the campus hookup he this is the guy where everyone on campus gets their drugs and to him this was advertising his wealth and his that he was the guy to go to and he was like i'll do (laughs) it it's a weird flex yeah it was a it was a flex it was like uh hey everyone i'm the guy don't forget me and then he busts out the door and it was an emergency exit, but it didn't ring. That would have been a completely different story. You know, that was that would be a whole different set of circumstances. But I actually on stage, I handed it to some of the, like the student activities people who had brought me there and said, I don't yeah. want to you take care of this. I need Does someone have a 20, you know, and just moved on from there. But <laughs> was a, that is weird. Weird story. Yeah. Weird, weird thing. And he was like, he didn't want me to know his name or anything because I was asking him as he was like, what's your name? Wait, wait, where are you going? Where are you going? He just walks out the back. Well, All I know, right. I know, I know I got the question right, but I did, did recently have an instance that oh, was I hear it. out of my mind. So I was doing shows uh, at uh, this place called Mystique in Utah, which is like a high end dinner parlor thing where you mm-hmm. come out and perform at the end or whatever. 
and you know, like when cell phones go off, you have all your your lines for that kind of stuff, whatever. So there's something that sounded like a cell phone going off to my right, right when I'm starting the show. I said, I said, listen, listen, if you have to get it, you know, that sounds important. You better take care of it. And I said the words, that sounds important. You should take care of it. And she goes, yeah, it's my insulin alarm. (laughs) Okay. She goes, don't. I said, oh, then you really do have to take care of it. She goes, yep. She pulled out her cell phone slowly. It's like, it's on my phone. I can take care of it. And then she ups her insulin on her phone and it makes this like, her insulin and i was like normally it's a sarcastic joke of like hey that's important you should take care of it but this wasn't you had to take care of this is a new thing and and then that alarm just kept going off like up and down different noises the entire show and i I couldn't like razz the person it's funny once or twice (laughs) but then it starts to become okay let's let's turn that down and be like, oh, is that the comedian who picked on that old diabetic at the show? That guy's great. <laughs> we no, that's we love your review. performative medicine humor. <laughs> <laughs> that's no one's that's no one's favorite thing. And I was like, oh gosh. So she had one of those like those smart things, the the, the pumps that sit on your skin and the, you you control yes. it with your phone. And she was just oh, this Which, by the way is more impressive than any trick I can perform. <laughs> yeah, modern is science is a modern amazing. miracle and. <laughs> Oh, that's really, yeah. really funny. But what do you do? You know, once you get it through a few times, you just kind of, oh, it's Susan again. Yeah, exactly. You just have to keep ignoring it. And the audience agreed to ignore it too, but the energy just then yeah. gets so flat. Yeah. Oh, Somebody get this awful. woman a candy bar. Her alarm keeps going off. Jeez. <laughs> oh, well, for question three, we're going to play for a sticker. This is the Internet Says It's True sticker. And uh, yes. they're three inches square and they're great for telephone poles and bumpers. Uh, so yes. back in 2016 at the China High Tech Fair in Shenzhen, Shen, Shenzhen mm-hmm. probably, a robot named Zhao Pang, a.k.a. Little Fatty, made the news. <laughs> That's the name of the robot. Little Fatty made the news for doing what was it? A, eating the most hot dogs. B, winning a foot race against a human. Or C, crashing through a display booth, breaking glass, and sending a small boy to the hospital. <laughs> okay. A, I don't think would make that much news. I don't think of robot eating hot dogs. <laughs> unless, unless it looks great. It, it That's would, just a trash case, can with wheels at that point, you're saying. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then it, it, I would see the meme of that, I'm sure, by now. The, the, yeah. the gif of that or whatever. Right. Um, or the gif. Don't, I don't, don't tell me. Okay, uh, so choice number two was what again? Winning a foot race against a human. Mm, that seems tempting. I remember working with Penn and Teller on a show called Penn and Teller Tell a Lie. And one of the, the audience had to figure out which science story was the lie of the six. Oh, right. And, yeah. one, and one of them was true was that um, a man beat a horse uh, race. It was a bar sponsored event in like Scotland where a man beat a horse uh, in, in a race. Wow. And it turns out that that actually was a bar bet that started it. But the person who made the bet was wrong for 25 years. It was only newsworthy when the 26th year, a person beat a horse in a race. <laughs> and, even, and even lamers, they didn't even run at the same time. They ran the horses through this one oh, long trail. That ruins the visual. Exactly. Exactly. That's a technicality so, no one wants to know. But because of that technicality, it makes that answer tempting because... You're yeah. picturing if you saw a robot and a human running next to each other, I would have seen that by now. But they could have just run them through 
a track, sure, right? And sure. done it that way. All right. And what was C again? And C was crashing through a display booth and putting a small boy in the hospital. I mean, okay. That sounds the most logical, but also it just tugs at the heartstrings of like, that's what I want to happen, right? I'm scared of AI. I'm scared of robots. A robot shattering glass and sending a child to the hospital is what I want to read in the news so that we stop the robot invasion, right? <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with C. The answer is C. You got that right. Crashing through a display booth. So after Zhao Peng, a.k.a. Little Fatty, made the news <laughs> after. So he uh, the reason he made the news, he's, he's repeatedly rammed into a booth. He sent shards of glass flying around the space. The boy suffered cuts and was transported to the hospital in an ambulance. Thankfully, the damage was minimal and the victim refi- received only a few stitches. The robot, on the other hand, which is designed to interact with children ages 4 to 12 and display facial emotions on its screen, appeared to be frowning after the incident, witnesses reported. (laughs) (sighs) I also love, like, you know, like, there's definitely the movie version of this where the scientist is like, little fatty, we're trying so hard, buddy. This is like, it's the low point of the PG movie. We did an episode about the hitchhiking robot. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it was like it hitchhiked all through Europe and all through these other countries and all the way across Canada. And then they brought it to the U.S. and then like it made it to Jersey and then like people tore it apart. It made it like <laughs> just a few days. And believe it or not, that that uh, hitchhiking robot looks a lot like Little Fatty when you see a picture of this thing. It's basically a bucket with wheels and a face like an electronic face. Oh, my gosh. That Well, that's, you know, when cars first came around. We don't we don't read that much about anti-car sentiment, but when people are trying to do these big races to like, you know, see what cars can do, they were regularly hit with rocks and objects where people like there was car hatred across the country. That people would be a fantastic a episode uh, of this show. <laughs> it's kind of like the electric car hatred we have now, where there are entire state legislators <laughs> legislators saying we're we're stopping the production of e- or sale of EVs in our state because it harms the gas industry. Yes, that is bizarre. And the parking in front of car chargers and that kind of stuff. Are there people doing that like nefariously? Yeah. Like parking their big like diesel truck. Correct. Rolling coal, they call it when they they throw smoke out the the smokestack or whatever. That will come off as bizarre, you know, 50 years from now, like it is like the people stoning cars before. It will. Yeah. They'll be like, why? What was how? How did they not see this was better? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next question is uh, another robot question, AI related. And for this one, we're going to play for a plug. So if you get it wrong, you've got to plug mm-hmm. my podcast on your next podcast. And if you get it right, I'll plug your podcast on the next episode of this show. Uh, yeah. You may have seen video of this next uh, thing. A company called Hanson Robotics created one of the most lifelike artificial intelligence robots named Sophia. And Sophia could hold conversations with people, was designed to look and act like a human. They actually used uh, Audrey Hepburn's face when they were molding Sophia. And at South by Southwest, the company's founder, Dr. David Hansen, asked Sophia whether she will destroy humans. And she, <laughs> she replied with which of the following? Oh, A, my God. She said, OK, I will destroy humans. And she added it to her to do list. <laughs> B, she said, I could never attack my creator, to which the Austin crowd erupted into applause. Or C, she heard the phrase and immediately went into sleep mode. Oh, these are tricky. This is a tricky one. This is a hard one. I'm going to plug your show either way. Okay, thank Um, you. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, and in fact, I think I'm inviting you on mine. You have to come. That'd on be mine. great. Yeah. Um, let's see. Okay. So, uh, adding it to a party list. That's really funny. Uh, I can never, I can never destroy my creator. That sounds like something you would, you would do. That sounds like something one would do when creating a robot. Going to sleep mode is the funniest one because <laughs> it leaves a lot of tension in the room on that one. That's a really good one. I'm going to go with B. B. She said I could never attack my creator. The answer yes. is A. She said, okay, I will destroy humans. And she added it to her to-do list. In Austin, Texas, she said this. Um, and I, there's got to be video of this. I, I didn't look it up, but there yes. has to be video of this. Uh, oh, that's I'm sure hysterical. that was just a great moment. So, um, so yeah, you'll owe me a plug on the next whichever podcast. Do you do what yeah. three different shows now? I do. I, I co-host Penn's podcast, uh, Penn Sunday School. Mm-hmm. That's what started it all. And then I did a spin-off podcast on the comedy partner, Ice Cream Social. Uh, that's the one uh, uh, we could do it twice a week. It's a comedy podcast. So we have trivia at the end of ours as well. Oh, awesome! Um, that's been going now for years. We do Scoop Fest. We do all all of my big podcast community things are done through Matt and Madeline's ice cream social. And uh, that's when I'll definitely plug your podcast on. Oh, I'll love that. Thank you so much. And I'll, I'll throw a plug for anyone that you want on, uh, on here. And <laughs> like I said, there are a fair amount of magicians that listen to this show. And so they might really like your, your Patreon show. They might think that that's yes. um, something pretty cool. Abracababble. So, Abracababble. I will interview you on, I interview magicians. I also talk about my own journey with magic. Cause I have a weird story with that. And then uh, I also do behind the scenes of every fullest episode. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I have an interesting behind the scenes from my Fool Us episode, uh, which oh, is yeah? that uh, I didn't do anything that <laughs> was going to fool Penn and Teller. Uh, and I'm often oh, asked no. why. I get it all the time. Um, oh, they just say why did you do that trick? Yeah. Well, magicians do. Uh, oh, okay. or, or anyone who's familiar with magic. Um, lay people love it. They don't care. Um, but magicians right. say, why did you do the multiplying bottles on Fool Us? Why did you think that was going to fool them? Not yeah, really understanding. Because I, like, I like work and money and <laughs> yeah. looking awesome on television. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons. More, more than like pointing some trophy. <laughs> the trophy is cool. I did it. Um, yeah. It, so I have a whole, there's a whole story about it, but uh, I would love to go back on Will the show. Will you tell sometime. it on mine? Yeah, I'll tell the story. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. If it doesn't get um, you in too much trouble with the show, which I don't think it, it will. It won't. It won't. Okay. It won't. They don't, they don't listen. Um, <laughs> they don't care about what I'm doing. But, um, uh, no, no, I, I, uh, I think you did the right thing on there by going on there and, and just doing a trick that kicks butt. Um, I will tell you that uh, as someone who's also been on and didn't fool them, I also knew I was going to fool them because Penn taught me the trick I did. Um, <laughs> That's, <laughs> so you didn't have a chance. I played that differently uh, to get out of the air. Uh, yeah. But uh, by the end, everyone knew it. Um, sure. Uh, but uh, so, so everyone always says, did you fool them? Every time you say, I've been on Fool Us. Right. I said, did you fool us? And this is my uh, technique. So uh, I always just go, yeah. And like that. And I leave that beat and I go, you'll never check. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's pretty great. It's a little different yeah. than titling your video disingenuously that you fooled one out of two of them. But um, <laughs> <coughs> but it's whatever makes. Get that clicks, get that work. All right, hey, do it, you know, do it up. I, uh, yeah, I, I'll tell the story. I'm, I'm glad that I did it the way I did. Um, and the best part about this was that when I got 
to Vegas, which it's, you know, shooting a television show, pretty nerve wracking, the whole the whole situation. Yeah, yeah, and you go yeah, down yeah. there and there's like 100 other magicians in the hotel and everyone's freaking out because a lot of them are doing something. They're going to perform something that they've never done before for people. Right. Or they've just done or it for themselves. Of it. Yeah. 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 yeah they changed it and they're trying to fool them. And I was like, I'll be at the bar. I've done this trick more than anything else in my act. And I'll do better if I don't focus on it. You know, if I just if I just let it go. And and that's what I yeah. did. And especially with, a, you know, we had this was before COVID and we had a live audience. It made it so easy to do the trick once I got out there and it felt like a show. Because yeah, I forgot about the it. cameras. And, and you crushed and, it on that show. Thank you. It, it made it it made it so much easier. And. And I, I'll save this for your podcast, but they did cut out one of my jokes. Um, oh. <laughs> and we'll talk about that when, when I'm on your show. Awesome. So uh, you, you've done very well. You've gone, uh, I believe, two for four. And this one is for all the marbles. I love if, marbles. If you get this wrong, I'm banning you from the show. Never to be asked on again. If you get it right, Ooh. I'll send you some marbles. <laughs> what thing in your life and this is open-ended this isn't a multiple choice what thing in your life would you like to see replaced by artificial intelligence oh interesting um okay this is I, like literally the first thing that came to my mind was so dumb because i was going to say washing dishes and we have dishwashers <laughs> but, you to, but you always have to wash the dishes before you put them in the dishwasher. i want a machine that opens my garage door <laughs> and uh and both my wife and i hate doing that yeah. pre-dish dishwashing yeah you do but, you um, have to you have I, to wash i think the... i have to think i have to think bigger than that i think yeah gaffigan uh, used to have a line where he was like because his wife was yelling at him because she wasn't washing the recycle stuff he wasn't washing the recycle stuff and he was like i got yes. a lot of things to do i don't have time to wash the trash <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I've had I've had that argument too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, what basically I'm trying to think about like what do I hate doing, right? So I guess I guess I would like a robot, uh, you know, pre workout personal trainer because I hate stretching. Oh. And rich people always have some kind of sexy uh, assistant stretching out their legs and their limbs and stuff and making sure they're they're perfectly stretched. Do you need the robot uh, to be sexy, or do we just go in with like a, a looks like a machine that builds cars? Oh, 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 interesting. Yeah, I never thought for a minute this would be, we'd be talking about unsexy robots at all. Um, uh, sure. Okay, sexy they, robots they like... <laughs> to stretch your legs before working out. I, I would but, like sexy robots to build my cars as well. But you still want to do the workout? You don't want to have the robot do the workout for you? Just the pre-workout? I have to, right? I think I, I have to. Do I don't know how this robot out. works. Maybe, you know, there are those things that they used to have that jiggle the fat away when you sit in them? Oh, yeah, when you stand yeah, yeah. in them? I went to Korea and they still had those in a, in a gym. Have you ever used one? It feels like your pants are falling down the whole time. No, I haven't used one. Oh, I did. I got into one and it wiggles you. And it, all it does, the way, whatever the way the jiggle does, it made me feel like my pants are falling down and they weren't. And maybe and you keep grabbing for the pants and that's how you're working out. Maybe that's how it burns fat. because <laughs> you keep. That's well, it. that is a correct answer. Your pre-workout. You are invited back on the show and maybe I'll send Ew. you some marbles. Uh, It'd be great uh, to put my Apple Watch on an AI robot and then like do so well with all of the fitness rings that like I get invited to speak. Or something, yeah. And then I'm like, <laughs> and you show up, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Still haven't lost a pound. What's going but here on? Here I am. This guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like I, I, when my wife rides a horse, it counts more steps than what she's actually doing, and so she can't wear her Apple Watch or, or pay attention to the fitness part of that when she's riding a horse because it counts four steps. 
for every one step. I don't know. <laughs> you know what's really cool is when we go to like Disney World and we're walking around, we always look at each other's steps at the end of the day, and hers are always like 20, 30% more steps than me. And we're like, we were together, and it's because her, her legs are that much shorter. Yes. In fact, it's your really height. interesting yeah, yeah. to think about that. Like, she does take more steps than I do, but, yes. but not enough that, you know, it takes a, a whole day of walking to see that difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I want everyone to go check out your your podcasts. You can listen to Matt on Penn's Sunday School. You can also listen yep. to him on uh, Ice Cream Social. Uh, but uh, if you're a magician, you're interested, or if you're not a magician, you just want to hear these awesome backstage stories from Fool Us, check out Abracababble, and that's uh, $2 a month is nothing for that. People can, yeah. people can pay for that. It's um, just honestly to keep... Uh, Magic internet nerds from crying about exposure is actually what that <laughs> There is. you go. Yeah, put a little gatekeeping in and and yes. uh magicians were like the original gatekeepers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were the first ones but, to be like, You're not cool enough to know this. So I have to tell I'll tell candid stories about tricks going wrong and therefore revealing methods of my own tricks. Oh. Uh, and some people get flack about that sure. in YouTube and stuff like that. And I laugh and I go, you know, the solution to that is two dollars. Two dollars and you don't get any flack. That's true. Yeah, they feel yeah. like it's that's a little paywall. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with me tonight. Awesome, Matt. Michael. And I can't I wait love to come on you. your, your you. show and uh, and we'll do this again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. All right, man. Thank you for listening to the Internet Says It's True. To listen to episodes ad-free and a week early, support us on Patreon. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash Michael Kent. If you learned something just now that you didn't already know, go to the Apple Podcast app and leave us a review with five stars and a few words. That helps us a ton, because that's how the algorithm works. I don't know what an algorithm is, but just do it! See you next week for a brand new episode of The Internet Says It's True! The Internet Says It's True would like to thank the Patreon subscribers whose monthly contributions help to make the show possible. Dallas Ray, Sean Brown, Bryce Swanson, Eugene Anderson, Matt McVeigh, Jim Martin, Joanne Martin, the show's official Emperor Kick Track. The show is written and produced by me, Michael Kent. The theme song is by Finite Music Forge. All audio clips in this episode are used for education and commentary and used under Fair Use Title 17 U.S.C. Section 107. You can listen to past episodes by searching for The Internet Says It's True wherever you get your podcasts, and you can see bonus content at patreon.com slash Kent.